0: Welcome to Hate Change, the podcast where we question the truth and find happiness in new realities. My name is Anne-Therese, and I'm so excited to have you here on this journey with me. So now, let's get ready to embrace some change. an inner calling was all it took for Bethany Tran to leave her job at Comcast and start a business that would help empower people of the slum in Guatemala. Does that sound a bit crazy to you? It does, right? But one of the things that we actually cover in today's episode is just that to make any change in this world, you probably have to be just a little bit crazy. So without further ado, this is Bethany Tran from The Root Collective. Welcome back to Hey Change, and welcome to Bethany Tran. Hi, Bethany. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, too. So wait, where are you calling in from?
1: I am in Raleigh, North Carolina. Awesome. North Carolina still a
0: state I haven't been to,
1: if I'm to be honest.
0: Oh, really? You need to come. Yeah. Wait, is Charlotte part of North Carolina?
1: Yeah, so Charlotte's basically like on the other side of the state from where I am. Gotcha. Um, I was like, there for like a few cool. hours at the airport. Doesn't okay. count. <laughs>
0: I've <I'm, I'm> been <laughs> it in doesn't the doesn't state. Count that no. doesn't count. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll be back at some point. I promise. Uh, we're not here to talk about North Carolina, though. We're here to talk about your awesome mission that you started, and I cannot wait to hear more. So, please tell us a bit about the Root Collective and why you decided to start this mission.
1: Mm. That is a great question. Um, I love that you said why I decided to start it. So this came into existence, really the idea for it came um, close to 10 years ago by now. Um, friends of mine had started a nonprofit that works in the slum of Lali Limanada in Guatemala City. And um, a friend of mine actually moved down there for a year. And so when she told me, she was like, hey, I'm moving to Guatemala. And um, it was like this immediate, I knew I was supposed to go. I mean, like I didn't even think about it. It was like, I'm going to come visit. And this is not like me at all. (laughs) Like I'm a processor. I'm somebody who likes to sit on things and chew on them. And it was just, I knew I was supposed to go. So, um, I went to visit her. It was like, I think three weeks after she moved there and just hung out in the slum for a week. And, It was really my first introduction to poverty on that level. Um, I mean, I had grown up, you know, knowing that these things existed. I mean, my family sponsored kids through World Vision. Um, You know, this is something that I knew was there, but I would never had it really up close and personal in my face like this. And so this slum, again, it's called La Limonada. It's in Guatemala City. It's considered the largest urban slum in Central America and also one of the most dangerous slums in the world. And I started realizing, I think, on that first trip that nonprofits are focusing on education, which was what Lemonade International was doing. So they had, um, at the time, they had one academy open in the slum and they were in the process of opening up a second academy. Um, And to give a little bit of background on how the school system works in Guatemala is that if you go to a public school, you're either going to school in the morning or you're going in the afternoon. And the problem with that in the slum community was that the gangs are super intense there. I mean, the slum is essentially controlled by the gangs and the gangs tend to target the young kids. So they're trying to get the kids into the gang, um, at really young ages i mean i've heard stories of kids who are like nine years old who are being recruited by the gangs um so if they were for instance going to school in the morning and if their parents were lucky enough to have a job these kids were often on their own pretty much for the whole day which made them really just prime targets for the gangs because nobody was really watching out for them um you know there's no aftercare there's no school care there's no daycare, there's really none of that. Um, and even if there was, these parents wouldn't be able to afford it anyway. Right. So what Lemonade International was looking to do was to create these academies in the slum, which were not part of the formal school district. Um, so if kids were going to the public school in the morning, they could go to an academy in the afternoon. And that was doing a few things. It was keeping them off the streets, which means that they weren't going to be as susceptible to the gangs, it was giving them extra help with their homework. It was teaching them things like personal hygiene, which sounds crazy, but they, you know, a lot of times aren't learning this stuff at home to wash your hands and brush your teeth. Um, and then they would feed them. And for some of these kids, it was the only meal that they would get that day. So I spent time down there, you know, going, this is incredible. This is amazing. But there's still a problem here. And the problem is that you can educate a kid all day long. And if there's no job for them after they've graduated, nothing has changed. Yeah. So when people start talking about the cycle of poverty and generational poverty, and this is part of that problem is it's jobs. And I was like, you know what, is it possible that we've actually been looking at poverty alleviation backwards because there's so much focus on the kids. There's so much focus on education, which again, this is really important and I'm not trying to say that it's not, but, um, but maybe we need to be tackling this from the other end. Maybe we need to be tackling this from the parent's side. Um, you know, Maybe we need to make sure that these parents are getting jobs. And then also, wouldn't it be awesome rather than having to have a sponsorship program, if those parents could pay for their kids to go to school on their own because how much more empowering would that be so that was 10 i want to say 10 years ago this february was the first time that i went down and just kind of started seeing this problem and i went down multiple times over the next couple of years and every time just kind of came back wrecked i mean i came back a totally different person that first time that I went down there and then every time I came back it was that same thing of just you know just my world was rocked really yeah. was what it came down to so it took uh... <laughs> sorry do you hear him? a dog
0: <laughs> yes. we have a little foster dog in the room here people so <laughs> this little dog might pop in every now and then just you yeah. know crave some attention <laughs> we all about being in- inclusive yes. here so anyone is welcome <laughs> Well, so okay, I do just since we got interruption, there's so many things I'm thinking about as you're talking. First of all, I think it's so cool when you get that inner calling that just speaks to you and says, You need to go. Like you yeah. had never even thought about like going down down to Guatemala and you know, it was mm-hmm. nothing like your everyday life, but it's sometimes all it takes is for someone to ask a question or just say something and you have this inner like knowing that you have to do that, you have to go. And I think first thing, I just want to really emphasize that because I think those are those little pinpoints in our life that we really need to listen to because it can change our lives forever. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to have the courage to just follow through on that calling. And obviously, I think, you know, it's needless to say it's changed your life. And just to really get so you started the Root Collective, which is now empowering women, right? Or building communities where like they get jobs,
1: yeah it's really we're focused more on community, so um so before we got interrupted by the crying here, <laughs> what I was <laughs> starting to say was that it was really like it i mean i had i had a few things that happened that really made me hit that point of okay, I need to do something about this and it was number one, I started working for Comcast, which you know here in America, if you have Started working for a Fortune 50 company. I mean, this isn't even a Fortune 100 company. They're way up there. Massive company. You know, this is supposed to be, I've made it, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I've made it. And the thing was is I had never been more miserable in my life. And it it was a good job. Like, the job itself was good. I was getting paid well. The benefits were great. But it was not fulfilling what I knew that I was created for. And so, so I started working there. Three weeks later, I turned thirty. Went through my second quarter life crisis in five years. Again, just going, what am I like? What am I doing? What am I doing here? Because I had that that inner voice, that something that was telling me, you need to go, you need to do something. And yet, here I was, basically ignoring it. And then, I think the biggest kicker for me was um, about two months after that, half the sky. The documentary aired on PBS, which if you haven't watched it yet, you need to. And it really, it follows along, I think it's eight women around the world who are just doing incredible things, working in red light districts in India. Um, And the one story that always sticks out to me is there was this woman who was in this tiny African country where there's like one doctor for two million people and women are dying in childbirth Hmm. all the time because they just don't have access to medical care. And she was going around to these tiny little villages training midwives and the mortality rate was tanking like women were actually getting the care that they need and I remember laying in I was laying in bed watching this documentary and just going crap like I have no excuse like I have zero excuse here's this woman in Africa where women are not valued and she saw a problem and she did something about it and so that was really my biggest kicker there. Like, I just, I need to go do something about this. And literally the next day I was like hiding in a conference room at Comcast, hoping that nobody was going to walk in on me. <laughs> and I called the, uh, at the time, the executive director of Lemonade International, who was a friend of mine. And was basically like, I've had this idea for this business for a long time. Who do you know? So I did something complete. like it was completely backwards, right? You're supposed to have a product or a service and you build a business around that. And I built a business around an idea. It was like, there's a problem with jobs. Somebody needs to do something about it. Nobody's done anything about it. So I guess that means I have to, who do you know? Um, and that's honestly how we got into shoes. It never would have been something that I picked, but they have gotten connected with a shoemaker in the slum. And, And actually when we launched, so we launched, it'll be five years ago this November. So we're coming up on our five year anniversary and we were doing shoes. We were doing bags, scarves, jewelry. Like I tried to do way too much too soon, which looking back, even though I now always recommend to entrepreneurs, like never do that. Never like start with one thing and do it really well. But if I I had done that, I never would have done shoes in a million years, but that was kind of where we ended up falling. And it was the thing that just did well and it stuck. Um, so that's really, that's where our focus is today. So really the mission started in seeing a problem that wasn't being addressed. And you
0: just took the courage, whatever courage was inside you and uh, with a little dose of craziness maybe. And oh, you just yeah just it happen. I think okay. sometimes I, <laughs> I just, I, you know, I tell myself and like I try to motivate people to say like, you have to be a little crazy To do things because (laughs) otherwise there's no way you're going to, you know, make that leap of faith or Mm -hmm. just get things started. Because, like, most likely you're not going to know the whole path. Like, there's no way.
1: Oh, no. The Mm -hmm. only
0: thing you do know is, like, again, that inner calling of, like, I'm supposed to do something here and I'll figure it out as I go.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I always say that you need to be naive. Like, you really need to be naive in order to start something, anything, I think. Um, Because if you knew how hard it was going to be, you'd never, ever do it. Like, you just wouldn't.
0: (laughs) And I think also when you start and then you're in it and you get, like, all stressed out and frustrated, it's really important to remind yourself of why you started it and why you're still doing it. And I think, I mean, I do this daily. A good way to do that is to just picture yourself in your different reality like what if you were to have stick to that job at comcast Mm -hmm. how would you like what would your life have been like right now what are the things you would have always regretted not doing and i think when you put yourself in that perspective it's like okay i'm doing the right thing here you know things are great you know i could be doing worse and at least i know i'm following my my intuition and doing whatever i can to make a change in this world and i think in the end that's the only thing that matters and that's going to be worth more than any money you would ever make
1: Yeah, totally. I love that. The whole, you know, what's what your alternate reality would have been. I'm going to have to I actually have a I have a cork board in my office where I like just pin important reminders up on like Mm -hmm. it's not even an organizational thing. It's like, what are the things I need to have up in my face all the time? Yeah. (laughs) that's going up there
0: (laughs) (laughs) great I'm creating a similar board to myself I have like the wall in my closet it's kind of you know working like that right now yeah Um, but you know to anyone listening it's I think it's really important to know and to remind to remember that no matter who your idol is whoever you look up to we are all in this constant you know circle of doubt and there's always going to be times where I'm like the fuck am I doing like Mm -hmm. I'm weighing over my head I don't know what I'm doing like I don't have enough expertise of this but as long as you have a passion or a willingness to learn you can always go so much further than you'd ever even expected and I think it's just important to remind yourself and also to surround yourself with the people that will be there and encourage you so that's how we changed the world today um so thank you for sharing your story and I really want to talk about, because I know you really, you are very focused on community, but also women. So mm-hmm. why do you think women play such a big part in
1: quote-unquote changing the world? I think that women are absolute, the most powerful people in the world. And here's why is, you know, you're talking about remembering what your why is. Um, and the thing that for me that has been an interesting part of my journey is my why started off as, poverty alleviation which it still is that's still a big part of my why but it's shifted a lot too with wanting to remind women here in the US and around the world who live in the quote unquote first world you know the people who actually have money how much impact that they can have and what I mean by that is that women control 85% of the household budget 85% here in the US That is a tremendous amount of money. Trillions upon trillions of dollars are controlled by women. And the thing that is so incredible about that is that as women, we're making decisions every single day about where that money is going. And I think that if women were getting more and more conscious about how much impact that they can have and really start paying attention to where their dollars are going, you can literally either put businesses out of business, or you can build up businesses who maybe nobody had known about before that are changing the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that is so incredibly powerful. You know, because I hear all the time from women, it's like, Oh, well, you know, I'm just doing my little part, you know, what am I ever going to do to change the world? And it's like, you're doing it every day. Yeah. Like every single day you're making those decisions and those decisions are going to be the ones that have such a huge impact. And I think that it's so easy to think that it's such a little thing, but at the end of the day, I really believe that women who are controlling the household purse, the wallets, are going to be the one that really makes such a huge impact. So I think with women changing the world it's really it's two-sided. It's it's the women in the first world who are making those decisions about where literally trillions of dollars are going every year. But then, you know, women in in communities like the communities that we work into, they they tend to just be really focused on family and so they say that, you know, if you're investing in a woman, those dollars are going to go further. They're going to go towards educating their kids. They're going to go towards feeding their kids. Um, So I think that it's really, really important that women remain a part of what businesses around the world are doing. But I also say that in we work with probably about 70 to 80 percent men in what we do, which I also think is really important because, I mean, I'm married and, you know, money is always going to be a part of your marriage. There's going to be times where it's tight. There's going to be times where, you know, things just get stressful with money. And I've had my husband say to me, like, he's basically said, it's not that I don't think you can't take care of yourself, but I feel like I'm failing as a man if I'm not bringing in enough money. Mm. And I think that that's really important in the communities that we're working in is empowering the men to feel like they're able to take care of their families too because if there's just something emotionally with men where if they don't have a job or they're not bringing in enough money where it just really i think just weighs on them and we've heard that we've heard that repeatedly from um because shoemaking in guatemala is a man's craft very much of a man's craft there's not a lot of women that you're going to see as much in this even though we're actually Trying to <laughs> we're trying to change that narrative a bit down there, but you know I've had men look me straight in the face and basically say, if it weren't for these orders that we're getting from the Root Collective, I would not be able to feed my kids.
0: Hmm.
1: And it's like that really needs to be that needs to be part of the conversation too. I think this is a very
0: interesting conversation because I think today it's easy to say and to think that you know we have to empower women and make them and put them into what used to be a typical like man's position we mm-hmm. have to give them the same jobs or they have to have equal like terms and positions in their in the family life whatever and i think sometimes it might be stressing out there family dynamic more than it helps because yeah you know like maybe a woman just like she feels like it's her calling to take care of the family and all she hears right. from society is like no you shouldn't do that you know it's a, yeah. a, a women should go out there and like take over you know and I do believe like if you are that woman and if your calling is to be you know a head of a business and a ceo like go for it
1: but you mm-hmm. shouldn't
0: like only preach that that is the future because I think what you're saying too for from, from the man's perspective it's really important that they feel like they are part of the changing dynamic too. So if they feel like what they can bring is like they can feed the, you know, they can put food on the table, they can provide Mm -hmm. income for their kids education or whatever it might be. But what you bring in that's so interesting is that, you know, it's there's so much more that we can do as women or as men or like human beings in changing the world than just, you know, creating businesses or making income. Like, how we spend the money is actually a lot more powerful. And yeah. I just listened yesterday to this other podcast with Lou's house uh, about habits. And, you know, mm. a big part of the habits you create, like, the habits you create for yourself, that's how you live your life, right? That, that just becomes yeah. the new normal. And a big part of creating habits is the surrounding environment. And your home is, like, the number one surrounding environment. So, mm. you as a woman, like, you make the decisions of this, the environment that your kids grew up in and that your husband comes home to or that your friends comes to visit. It's like whatever you promote in your house, if that's like health, balance, love, um, empowerment through like supporting the brands we really believe in, you know, using only renewable energies in your home, like there's so many things we can do. That will not only change our household, but like multiply into our kids that grew up in the world and inspire their friends or friends coming over. Like, it's just like, you know, it adds on and it grows like more rapidly than we, I think we can understand.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's really important to remember again, in all those times where I'm hearing people say, well, you know, I, you know, I'm just an administrative assistant. I'm, you know, just a stay at home, mom, I'm just this, I'm just this. i am feeling like they can't have an impact, but you know, the, the thing is, is that, you know, when you're talking about like the kids, I think especially my nieces and nephews are growing up asking the questions about where things are made mm. because that's what they're seeing modeled in their home. And so, you know, as, if you are, quote unquote, just a stay at home mom, you have got this tremendous opportunity to be raising up the next generation by these your kids seeing how you're making decisions in your home.
0: Yeah.
1: Like that is going to have a lasting impact. And for me, like I grew up with a mom who was constantly looking at labels as to where things were made. And for her, she was really wanting to support American jobs So she was always trying to find things that were made in the U S and it was, it got to a point where I would get so annoyed if I had to go shopping with my mom (laughs) because it's like all she did was sit there and look at labels where things were made. Um, and then now as an adult, it's like, wow, like what a lasting impact that had on me watching my mom do that. And there were times where she just, if she couldn't find what she wanted, you know, in a that was either made in the US or made somewhere that she knew you know I don't want to sit here hating on China but China notoriously has had really bad employment environments for people um and so she didn't want to make buy made in China right that's what i grew up with um and so now as an adult and looking at the business that i ended up starting how much impact it did watching my mom label shop have on me
0: yeah That's no, that's you're so on point. And just to bring it back to your your company and your mission, because it's it is about empowering the underserved communities. So I mean, thank you so much for what you're doing. But as a consumer and for anyone who's listening, how what can we do to like help contribute to that economy? Because you know. Made in USA is one way to like support a good economy maybe. But, you know, if you want to support the people in Guatemala, that would not be the case. So just some examples. What can we do to help that part of the world?
1: I think, um, you know, I think a lot of it just comes down to intentionality. So I am all for like I'm a bit of a minimalist. I live in a 900 square foot house. You know, we don't have a lot of extra stuff that we don't need. So for me, it's always don't buy stuff that you don't need. number one. <laughs> mm-hmm. But if you do need stuff or if you're looking for gifts, things like that, what an opportunity is that to be able to be very intentional about where you're spending your money. So if you need you know if you need a gift, okay, I'm gonna you know get my mother-in-law a pair of earrings, buy fair trade. It is actually really easy to find stuff. Nowadays, pretty much anything that you need, you can find it ethically made Mm. somewhere. Yep. And it's just a matter of really being intentional about it. And um, we actually have on therootcollective.com, we have an ethical shopping guide that you can get free access to um, where we've taken the time to research businesses for you, businesses that you can support. Because I think, again, that it's one of those things like it feels really overwhelming where you're like okay, I want to start buying fair trade. I want to start being more intentional about how I spend my money and I have no idea where to start. So we have the ethical list on our website that you can you can access. But I think it's just, it's a matter of doing a little bit of legwork, right? You're not going to be able to necessarily walk into your regular mall and, you know, I guess buy anything that you're looking for. Um, but if you take a little bit of extra time and be like, hey, I need a pair of jeans, where can I get these ethically made? Mm. Um, you know, where can I get them so that I know that they're going to be supporting jobs in the community that really needs them. And I mean, for me, like as long as people are being paid well, it doesn't necessarily matter if it's Guatemala. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, Uganda. It, it doesn't matter if it's China, like just be really intentional about making sure that your money is going to support businesses that are actually trying to uplift these communities and ask questions. That's another big thing that I always tell people. They're like, well, I really love this brand. Send them an email. Yeah. Hey guys, talk to me about what your, your standards are for your workers. And the thing is, is I think that that's also really powerful when we're talking about how change can be made is you as a consumer are controlling companies Because you get to choose whether or not you're spending your money with them. And so if these companies are finding out that, hey, there are these consumers who want something that's made ethically. They want to make sure that the workers are being paid well. They're put in a position where they're forced to do something about it.
0: Yeah, and I was really going to get to that too. I think you know part of being able to shop ethically or sustainably is – you know, the transparency coming from the business. And Mm -hmm. it used to be like that there was no transparency, but because of people asking questions and stepping up and saying, hey, you know, I'm not gonna support your company unless you tell me what's going on. Now there is a lot more transparency and there's a lot more companies coming up due to that increased transparency because they're like, hey, I know that you guys care. So here's a company and we all open, like it's an open book, ask us any Mm -hmm. questions and we don't feel ashamed by hiding anything because there's nothing to hide. So I feel like just the fact that people started asking questions um, forced already existing companies to make something about their supply chain. But also Mm -hmm. it created this whole new world for new brands to come up so they they can exist just because there are people caring about it. And I think that's so empowering in itself. And I think I also want to just quickly talk about again, you saying, you know, when you buy a gift it's such a powerful opportunity to spread this. Like, not only are you putting attention into that, whatever you're buying, you're spreading it to the person you're gifting it to. So Mm
1: -hmm. you can,
0: like, you know, just grow that seed of change and now they receive a gift and they get their eyes open to like, Oh, this, this necklace was ethically made. It's so beautiful. And then st- they start wearing it and they share with friends. And, you know, before we know it spread like crazy. So,
1: yeah. And I actually really quick want to talk about that. We're, um, we haven't even launched this publicly yet, but we're working on, um, I hate calling it a marketing campaign, uh, that's really, that's what it is, but it's more of a mindset that we want to get people in, um, that we're calling the five effect which is, you know, what you were just talking about. So like you buy a gift for somebody or you buy a pair of shoes from the Root Collective. If you get five people, just five, to buy a pair of shoes, so you tell five friends, they all buy a pair of shoes. And then all those friends that go out and each one of those friends tells five people, those five people buy a pair of shoes. And then all of those five people all go out and they talk about it. And then all those five people buy a pair of shoes. And this is just specifically talking about the recollected, but you can apply this to anything. But in our space, just having that three removed of you tell five people, they all go out and they all tell five people. And then they go out and they all tell five people. That's it. It is creating over a thousand hours of work for our artisans. And that's reaching here in the U S that would be reaching 155 women just because you told five people. Wow. Yeah. That's tremendous impact. It's so cool thinking about it that way too. It is. And I think that it's just, I get excited about it. I've got goosebumps right now because I just, I'm, I guess I'm tired of people feeling like they can't make a difference. Mm. And it's like, no, you need to understand how simple this is. And also
0: whatever we say to ourselves, or whoever, like whatever we, whatever words come off from our mouths. Whatever decision we make, that's taking energy. So if we can just stop saying I can't do anything or like mm-hmm. I'm so frustrated or just, you know, don't even say the words. And instead if we replace those with like, I can do a lot of things, you know? I have the power right. to impact a lot of people. Just start using those words and replace whatever negativity is in your mind. And this is this is a practice, you know, I'm telling myself mm-hmm. too. But like we can like you said too just saying those words out loud actually creates goosebumps because you're like yeah. wow that's so cool like that's really empowering and you know I wonder how many people I could reach if I just went out and talked to three people today and then another three tomorrow and before right. you know it's just like it's a spreading wave and it's a wave that's so needed today especially with all the negative news out there oh my god <laughs> oh, it's like can we just have some? can we just like I don't know, create a new law where we just like block all that negativity. I mean, obviously we need to know know. about it, but like we're just spreading all this negativity and just making us feel like, oh, it's too late. We can't do anything. Like we might as well just give up. No, now is the time when it's not game over. It's game on. Let's see what we can do. Yeah, I love that. All right. So what, since you have started your own company and if someone is like listening and thinking, okay, I'm over my job. (laughs) I want to do this now. What's your number one (laughs) tip to anyone looking to build an ethical brand?
1: Uh, I think my number one tip to anybody looking to do anything is perseverance. Mm. Um, I think that, uh, I mean the honeymoon phase is awesome. It's fantastic. I mean, you start something and you are like, this is going to be great. This is going to be amazing. And then it starts getting hard and then it stays hard And then you've got the constant plaguing of doubts and that inner critic that's telling you you're not good enough. And 80% of businesses fail in the first 18 months. Mm. I think that actually, that number may be a little bit higher, but somewhere around 80% of businesses fail in the first 18 months. And I honestly don't think it's because they run out of money. I think it's because it's just so, it can be so hard to just keep up to just continue, you know, when you, you know that this is what you were made for and you know that you've got this potential to make a difference, but it just gets tough. So I think that, you know, just reminding people just the importance of persevering through those times, remembering your why, keeping that front and center, looking at your alternate reality. Yeah. I think that that is, that's always my biggest piece of advice. Making sure that you're persevering through all the hard times.
0: I think that is probably the best advice you could give someone, and I can just add my own thoughts because secondly, I want to add just keep. I think communicating to yourself and to people have someone <laughs> right there mm-hmm. that you can always just open up to, and I can just give my own personal example. I mean, I have my own ethical brand, my modeling agency, and as latest as Friday, I had probably the best meeting since we started the agency could be. And I was just, you know, high on life and I walked home and I was like, It's happening. All the hard work is really paying off. This is what we've been waiting for and you know, I couldn't couldn't understand this was like really happening to me. And then this morning I like texted my husband, I'm like, I'm like having anxiety attacks And he's like, Should I call you? And I call him up and I'm like, You know, everything's it's too much, it's too overwhelming, it's just coming in on me and like everything's happening now and he's like just breathe. This is what you've been waiting for. And then suddenly yeah. I feel like we need to hire people. Like what's going on? And yeah. it's just like a constant balance of like up and down and like high and lows and to keep your sanity in it. And like sometimes just cry because you <laughs> going of be overwhelmed. You know, oh, I yeah. cried to him for five minutes. Like, okay, I'm good now. I'm fine. He's yeah. like, do you need me more like no I'm good (laughs) yeah so I think like the more you try to keep it in it's just gonna build up and then you explode but like just you know have your little drama attacks and that's totally fine too (laughs) yeah now you all know that's my life (laughs) great advice (laughs) thank you You know my Bethany it's been a pleasure having you here and I'm so happy we got to talk about things like women empowerment and also like building strong family relationships and just touching upon like the incredible power we have as consumers and individuals and to come together collectively really and make a change and how we can just like inspire a few people every day and that's going to spread in no time. So thank you so much and I just want to wrap up with finishing off with my final three questions so are you ready? Yes, I am. Well, actually, before we do that, I want to just have you share your social accounts and website and anything, you know, your ethical shopping guide, whatever, like how can we find that?
1: Yeah. So you can find us online at therootcollective.com and our ethical guide, I believe, is down in the footer if you want to go access that. Um, So we are there and then we're also on Facebook and Instagram, both at The Root Collective.
0: Awesome. And I'm going to link all this in the show notes so you're not going to miss it.
1: Perfect. All right. Okay. My final question, number one.
0: I personally believe that the key to a happy and productive life is how you choose to spend your mornings. So I'm always curious to know you know, what other people are doing. So what is the most ideal morning look like to you?
1: That's such a good question. Um, and this is funny because this is one of those things I'm like, Hey, now that I'm thinking about it, I need to like actually start doing this because this is totally attainable every morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so number one, I need to get out of bed when my first alarm goes off. Cause I'm terrible at that. I'm like one of those people where I like, I will lay in bed for half an hour. Um, so I have, like actually, six alarms, by the way, Oh my! God. I would lock it I up know. otherwise.
0: It's yeah. terrible.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then it would be getting up, having my coffee, um, I've got two personal dogs and then we have a foster dog as well. Normally always a foster dog in the house, hanging out with them and my husband for a little bit. And then really, this is my big thing. If I started off every morning doing some yoga, 20 minutes, I would probably be in a much better mental place. Mm. So that's really And this is, I actually used to do this and I have fallen off the bandwagon probably in the last year. Um, And I was just thinking about this the other day because if you don't get your day started off right, I mean, just forget it, Yeah. forget it. So I'm like, you know, I really need to, I need to start doing that again of, um, you know, making sure that I'm taking that time in the morning to, you know, I also have a habit of just rolling out of bed and starting to work pretty much immediately. Mm. Um, And that's, I don't think for me, is a good way to go about it so i'd get up have a cup of coffee snuggle the pups do some yoga and then get into my work day
0: i mean snuggle the pups there's really no better way to start the day it's (laughs)
1: like there's
0: soothing energy you just feel loved (laughs) that's a really good way but i totally see what you're saying with the yoga part um i try to go for a walk or some kind of just active cleansing my head activity um before I start doing anything else because otherwise I'm just not off to a good start but I think I mean it's probably tying back into just get up with that first alarm you have 30 minutes to go you can you know (laughs) squeeze those 20 minutes in but I think you know it's easier said than done and I think something I also learned for that podcast is like just leaving the yoga mat out there you know, yeah. it's just like setting yourself up for success because you have to know yourself. Like no matter right. how much you tell yourself the night before, like, I'm going to get up and do yoga. And then unless right. it's like right in your face, it's not going to happen.
1: So true. I should like put my yoga mat on top of my coffee machine. <laughs> I know, right? You're not getting coffee until this is done, you know?
0: <laughs> I love that.
1: All right. So my
0: question, my second question is, um, I truly believe that a better world starts with a better you. And that we always have to seek personal growth in order to you know be able to fight for ourselves but also their planet so what would you say is the most something you learned about yourself in the past let's say five to ten years you are very grateful for it but also how has this made you look differently at life and sorry we have a fire truck going by <laughs> hey you
1: know that's real life <laughs> that's real life san francisco here uh, real life um Gosh, I think one of, all right, so this is, I'm going to answer this two-parted. Okay. Number one, I, about, I don't two, three years ago, maybe, um, I'm big into personality tests, which I know sounds silly, um, but I got familiar with the Enneagram probably about two years ago, and that was, I think, huge in a lot of self-discovery for me. But one of the big things that I came out of that is I am known for being a bit of a perfectionist and an idealist and this is how the world should be and always looking at things on how they can be better. And for me that kind of always felt like a negative thing. Like these were all negative things because, you know, nothing's ever good enough and that those were words that I had heard often spoken to me was that nothing is ever good enough for you. And I think I was able to flip that narrative probably like in the last, I'm going to say year, year and a half to be able to flip that and say, okay, how can I make this a good thing? Because Mm -hmm. this is just how I am. This is not going to change. How can I turn this into something good? And, um, and then all of a sudden I started really realizing that, you know what, that, what that does is that actually makes me a badass problem solver. Mm. And that's awesome. Like, because all I'm doing is I'm looking at things and I'm seeing how they can improve. But the thing is, is that if there's a problem there, then how can this be solved? And I think from just a personal perspective, being able to flip that mental narrative on, okay, this is just, this is how I am. You know, I'm conscious of it. I'm aware of it now. But how can I turn this into something that's actually positive? And I think, you know, understanding and realizing that those things that have been presented to me as being negative could actually really be something really positive because, um, you know, I see problems and I want to fix them. And that's that's a
0: good thing. That's awesome. I think that applies to basically everything in life. Um, yeah. Mean, the whole podcast, Hey, Change, it's about that. Like seeing something in a new light and just making something that we thought was bad, to something positive and I learned once that you know again another podcast but it's we need to listen to our life and to like not only not just fake it till we make it like we can't become people that we're not I mean we can always approve mm-hmm. parts of ourselves but like we have a certain personality that it's it's there for a reason and yeah just because it, you know it's not like you may not be great at math that someone else's you know whatever you're good at it's like that's your skill and if you can just yeah. hone that and like shape that into your own little diamond and like figure out like okay I'm really good with people I'm really good at solving problems how can I make that a positive thing in my life and how can I add value to a company or a community or a group of people or myself Mm -hmm. and just becoming that best version of myself so thank you so much that's like a really important reminder
1: yeah
0: absolutely all right bethany my final question what okay this is a question i love to ask people because i just want to set you know the audience myself you off to the most positive day ever so (laughs) what makes you
1: optimistic about the future and why Mm. gosh possibility honestly, you know, because I think everything that we've talked about today, right, with how much impact women can have and how far your dollars can go. And, um, you know, and again, with just how I am with seeing problems, it's like, for me, it's like, we've got so much opportunity for change. We have so much opportunity to do things better. Got so much opportunity to, you know, bring up the next generation to look at our world in a totally different way. And I think that there is just nothing but opportunity for things to be kinder for our world to be, you know, just more connected in a good way. And I just think that that is like when I look at tomorrow, like I know that so many people are like, oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket and, you know, all of the negativity that you see on social media these days. And it's like, yeah, the narrative exists, but what if we flip it around You know, what if we do start talking about things, you know, how can tomorrow be better? How can tomorrow be different? How can, you know, 20, 30 years from now look totally different than it does today? And how can we start taking steps towards that? And I just, I just love seeing people understand what they were made to do and how much impact they can have when they're doing things that they're made to do. And that makes me really, really hopeful for what our world could look like.
0: Thank you again for tuning in today. I'm super excited to have you with me on this journey of change. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes. And if you have a minute over, please leave a quick review and some stars. Thank you. I'm also to be found on Instagram via the hashtag HeyChange or on my website HeyChange.net. So please follow me and we can be friends. All right. Until next time, have an awesome day. And don't forget to get out there and embrace some change.